0: All right. We'll begin. It's noon. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Rice Global ENC Forums Roundtable Webinar. This is our first webinar. I'm the Martin Van Sickles, the Executive Director of the Forum. Uh, today is the first in a series of, uh, of webinars. Our uh, next one will be uh, on May 8th. Uh, we expect to uh, resume our normal meetings uh, in the August time frame. Our normal roundtable meetings at Rice. Uh, with respect to questions to the panelists, please enter them in the chat box, and uh, we'll respond to them uh, through our website. Uh, also, also uh, note that the webinar is being recorded and uh, be, will be available at the forum or a link at the forum website. And uh, just, to, just to start, as we normally do, a brief safety moment. Uh, we encourage you all to act within the guidance in the best interest of public health and safety and follow all the recommendations provided by our leadership. With that, uh, I'm gonna introduce Lee Nichols. He's our moderator, uh, he's editor in chief and associate publisher of hydrocarbon processing, gas processing and LNG magazines. And um, he uh, is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, and the uh, hydrocarbon processing is one of our media partners, is our media partner. With that, Lee, we'll turn it over to you and introduce the panel.
1: Great, thanks. Thanks so much, Martin. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, First, we hope you and your families and colleagues are healthy and safe during these unprecedented times. Now, as Martin said, my name is Lee Nichols, and I'm the editor-in-chief and associate publisher of hydrocarbon processing and gas processing and LNG publications. And of course, I'd like to welcome all of you to the Rice Global ENC Forum's COVID-19 Leadership Response Conference, which we're going to tell the engineering and construction industry is responding to this unprecedented crisis. Now, our objective today is, of course, to discuss the ideas of one, safely getting people back to work, uh, the big word, of course, being safely, and then, of course, get our economy fully functioning again. So we're going to discuss individual company perspectives on these challenges, uh, hurdles that we see, and, of course, possible paths forward. Now, before we start, I'm going to run through some housekeeping items. One, like Martin said, this webinar is being recorded It is gonna be posted to the Rice Global ENC Forum's website. Uh, That should be up in the next couple of days, so definitely check that out. And then second, if you do submit a question during this webinar and we can't get to it, um, don't worry. Uh, We will be posting answers to those questions on the forum's website as well, so definitely check that out too. Now, we do have a limited time today, so I wanna go ahead and jump right in and get started. Uh, It is my great honor to introduce our esteemed panel of experts today uh, for the discussion. First, I'd like to introduce Jorg Linsenmayr, he is Vice President of Project Management, Manufacturing and Construction for Air Products. He is responsible for for providing leadership and resources across all of Air Products' construction and manufacturing sites, as well as developing project execution and construction strategies that ensure sustainable, profitable growth for the company. Second, we got Steven Toops, who is the President of Turner Industries. It's a company with 23,000 employees, and they've been the provider of industrial services for more than 60 years. Uh, this year, he's in his 24th year at the company in which he has served in very, very many capacities uh, within that company. Now, finally, we have Kevin Wetherington. He is the chief HSC security and quality officer for Baker Hughes. Previously, he served as the president of the North American region, vice president of the Gulf of Mexico geomarket, and vice president of the North American land Geo Market. all of those with Baker Hughes. Now, within these roles, these gentlemen are responsible for approximately 100,000 employees, which is actually just incredible. So let's go ahead and bring them on uh, and get this discussion going. So first off, how are you gentlemen doing today? Wonderful. Thanks
2: Thanks very much.
3: Finally, thanks for having us.
1: Excellent, excellent. So first off, I want to jump right in. Let's just talk about the biggest uh, thing here, and that's safety. So, Kevin, I want to direct this, this question to you. Right now, we've been seeing the immediate impact to our industry, and and people have seen it. We've seen projects halted for safety reasons. We've seen uh, companies defer projects. Now, how do you think we can safely get employees back to work in places like offices, job sites, so we can safely operate until we have a vaccine, and if if that vaccine even comes?
4: So, thank you, Lee. And before we get started, I just want to uh, extend my appreciation for being included in this forum. This is a great opportunity to share and learn from others. So really looking forward to this engagement. So when we consider how to get, uh, safely get employees back to work, it really comes down to focusing on the prevention of contraction and spread of the virus. So here at Baker Hughes, uh, we've drafted a set of return to work guidelines, which includes things like screening, reconfiguration of our office space to ensure proper employee spacing, uh, reduced density of employees per unit area, the the use of PPE, personal hygiene, along with additional focus on uh, things like ventilation and cleaning. We also couple this with our response to employees who develop symptoms, along with how to handle a positive case or an outbreak in a local community. Uh, Our guidelines are a phased approach with uh, current status being phase one, which we're in now, and that includes various stay at home and remote work arrangements around the world. Phase two will be when some restrictions are lifted and we start bringing employees back into offices and work sites. Then phase three will be when a vaccine is available, resulting in further restrictions being lifted. So this phased approach uh, allows us to move backwards into a previous phase if there's a reoccurrence of cases. Um, but for us, it, it's really about avoidance of contraction and possible transmission until a vaccine is available.
1: Excellent. Perfect. So now I want to jump over to Steven. So Stephen what is gonna? what is a recovery going to take? So when I say that is things like business travel, meetings, uh, conferences, big networking events uh, that we're all used to going to several, several times a year. Uh, are they going to be the same? Will we still be able to have them? Are they going
3: to look like this? Lee, great question. And, and again, <clears throat> thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for giving us a chunk of their Friday to, to, to walk through this. I know this is different, but you, you touched on it, Lee. This might be what the new normal looks like around Turner, we're not calling it the new normal. We're looking at calling it the next normal. Uh, Maybe it's some version of what we had in the past. But look, in asking our opinion, our opinion is the first prerequisite for an economic recovery is a solid public health solution. And that's going to be testing and tracing possible infections, adequate supply, the balance in the supply chain. That's going to be important because consumers And our employees are gonna need the confidence that participating in the economy is not gonna get them and their loved ones sick. Now, beyond that, you're looking at travel and hospitality when you get into conferences and business meetings. It could be in a depression of their own for a long time, Uh, depending on how quick people trust travel. I mean, what is it gonna take for you or I today to go get on a plane or go walk through one of these big international gateway airports? How do we know who was sitting in the seat right before us? This is where the public health response is really going to come into play. The sooner people feel confident about testing, the sooner people feel confident about cleaning or understanding how social distancing is going to work, then we're going to be ready. So to answer your question directly, business travel, meetings. Look, there's a couple possible futures here. But what we're doing is we're taking conference rooms and pulling every other chair out, giving that room room. Uh, The capacity of maybe 50% of what it had, but at the same time, forcing that five or six feet between those chairs, that if we have to have people meeting when we come back, then that's what we're going to do. On the job sites, they're having business meetings every day. They're having lunches. They're having breaks. They're having safety meetings every morning. You double the number of tables. You increase the size of the tents and the spaces where they're going to be breaking, and you keep two to three people at these tables it's a new or next normal but it's something we're going to have to get used to man conferences networking events you know if you're asking me to look into my crystal ball it could be a few years before we feel as good as we did 6 weeks ago or, or a couple weeks back in january but think about what this could be this could be a virtual conference where you have rather than 2 or 3000 people maybe you have 10000 people and then you can have smaller more quaint so the discussions about it and the, where you can actually pull the groups together and focus in. Look, like it could be more quality. What is it gonna look like? I don't know. Are they going to be able to have them? I think some people are going to try. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it rolls out though.
1: Excellent. Great. Great. Thanks so much. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, one thing we know about our industry is of course they're going to adapt to whatever, whatever comes along. So, which is a good segue into my next question, which is actually, uh, Topic of technology and in I want to get your your uh, your comment on this. So, as digitalization, things like ro- remote diagnostics, other plant site technology, productivity enhancement enhancements, have they made a difference um, during this crisis? Have you seen anything, uh, especially with uh, with with air product plants?
2: Thank you very much, Lee, um, for the opportunity to attend the RISE ENC Forum, first of all. And um, it's a pleasure to attend. Um, I would have preferred to come down personally, though. Um, already prior to the crisis, we have used um, um, remote diagnostics and collaboration tools, um, both in project execution as well as in project um, in operations of our plans. So at Air Products, we have several systems in place to diagnose or control our plants um, completely remotely. So, for example, we can um, check out machinery or we can monitor electrical systems, you know, from um, our remote operating centers. Or we can also uh, check the controls and um, process conditions of um, our mainly oxygen plants, hydrogen Plants or nitrogen plants. And um, just to give you an example, we lately had to start up a plant in Spain and um, could not send the startup person anymore because of the corona crisis. So we then started up the plant pretty much completely remotely from a completely different location with some help from, from the site. So these tools really help our engineers to effectively troubleshoot and support plant issues. Or also we can do complete repairs remotely. So that's um, um, something very um, important as well. So the corona crisis now has really forced us to utilize all these tools even more. And um, we have good results. Data is delivered then directly to experts globally and um, is a really tremendous asset for um, everybody while we have to manage all these challenges of the COVID-19 problem. A good example is also our process plant monitoring system uh, which we can use to remotely monitor medical liquid oxygen usage as, at hospital tanks um, to help manage these systems running at over design. Because you can imagine now um, there is a huge amount of um, increased oxygen demand from a lot of hospitals. And um, so we are basically... Um, using these technologies than a lot. Now from the EPC perspective, um, I can just give you a quick example. We, have, we are currently building three large um, nitrogen plants in Holland and we are in the middle of um, construction and um, you can imagine we have a huge amount of uh, drawings, you know, so-called issued for construction drawings. IFC drawings have to be Provided to the construction site um, to the contractors to build um, the whole thing. And um, now, since we do all the detail engineering in India in our India offices, um, we um, these guys there um, are normally modeling the plans and you know provide the drawings. But they are all back in the home office as well. So now our India. Colleagues model the plant, they produce the drawings, and then send them through servers to the construction site where our people give them to the contractors. And um, that is going quite well. Um, much better, actually, than we thought with working from home. Whereas in India, the internet connections have been a problem, but we fixed a lot of things. and By now, it's, um, it's really going very well. So to summarize, digital technologies are really helping us very much to navigate this, um, this crisis.
1: She' so will become the, the epitome of the digital transformation age. That's right. <laughs> That's right. right. I, wanna, uh, I kinda wanna get uh, Kevin and, and Steven's opinion on this as well. So uh, what y'all have seen over the past, I guess, month uh, month and a couple weeks. So are there new processes, workflows, behaviors that have arisen from this crisis as kind of like a lessons learned? Um, Kevin, let's go ahead and start with you.
4: Yeah, so absolutely and a lot of this was by necessity. So during this crisis we've really determined that we can do more remote work than we originally thought and this has helped us out tremendously. Uh, This is actually for the case of both employees in an office, for office-based activities and tasks, as well as for our field operations. So for employees still working in one of our offices or work sites, uh, we've adopted some creative ways to establish distance between them, like one-way hallways, uh, adjusting layout of cubicles in our office space, the configuration of tables and chairs in common areas, the use of floor signs uh, in areas like cafeterias to maintain spacing between people, Um, using occupancy limit signs for certain confined areas within an office, uh, along with better utilization of shift work arrangements in our manufacturing and maintenance centers. And all of this, uh, as well as additional spacing between employees during various transport activities via land, sea, air, however we're needing to move our, our field personnel around. So we're also conducting other activities like inspections and audits with smart helmets, uh, camera glasses or or goggles, so that remote teams can work with local teams to accomplish these very critical tasks. Uh, We've got various uh, virtual technologies uh, that we're also better utilizing for some of our training and drill exercises Uh, and it allows for remote oversight and or implementation of these programs. Uh, We also continue to apply similar processes and technology for our remote operations where we conduct field work at customer sites or installations. And some of this has always been part of our portfolio, um, but now it's being utilized even more than ever. And again, due to the necessity.
1: Perfect. So I want to, uh, of course, get, get your opinion as well, Stephen.
3: Uh, Kev, Kevin's exactly right. I mean that we're doing more remotely than we thought we could, primarily because there was a reticence to adopt. I mean there was a concept of well, if someone's doing something remote, then they're just they they're, they're not working hundred percent. That's just the way the thought process went. And what we're learning, because we've all been thrown in the deep end, is it works. It it can work. It's okay. But what's interesting is how people are utilizing technology. This is technology we've had that entrepreneurs all over the place have thrown in our laps. We're just starting to put into place. Now, there's things I can talk about that artificial intelligence and problem solving in the field, GPS, knowing where people are. But I figured let me just give you a cool story. Uh, here's a case of everybody here knows on the Gulf Coast. New Orleans was a hotbed for this virus. I mean, still kind of coming off the back end of it, but a hotbed. And uh, we had a customer who had a reactor being deployed and was going to arrive in the docks right on the port of New Orleans. And the transportation contractor had to go get it. And the first transportation contractor said, absolutely no way must send in must sending my crew to New Orleans to pick up your reactor. And we said, hey, we, we, we think we can do this. So, Lee, we put together a team. We bundled them up in Tyvek. They had gloves and boots and hats, and they were covered. And we disinfected them, and we got this thing off the barge, and we did it. But the interesting part, the technology part was the operators and the eyeballs were across the river, and there were drones set up around this thing. And the people who were driving the transports, the people who were working this thing, were out of harm's way. So we had a nominal amount of people. We will be limiting The exposure to people. Kevin talked about smart helmets. We're looking at technology that has an RFID and a hard hat that keeps you six feet away from somebody. And if you're inside of a six-foot radius of somebody, then you better have the appropriate PPE, a face shield or a mask or wood gloves or whatever the case may be. But think about things like robot access into tanks. We've been doing it for years, but just never has been a tremendous adoption. And even rope access. The concept of sending someone up to make a weld or make an inspection on a tower or offshore. The you know, one person with a spotter on a rope versus a scaffolding crew of eight or 10 building scaffolding for two days to get them to go do it and then have the work done. It's just different. So the answer is, yeah, lots of new work processes. Are they new? Nah, this is stuff that we've all talked about at our rice global forum meetings on good Friday on Fridays, all through all over Houston, but it's a reticence. It's, it's, we're adopting now maybe by default that what we have been talking about for a long time.
1: Excellent. That was a great example. It was really good to see that it, it seems like the uh, social distancing might be actually be the new normal here, <laughs> at least in, you know, for the near future. Um, and one area I want to kind of now shift into, of course, is the customer focus of this. Uh, Kevin, I want to address this one to you. So um, the big question is going forward, I mean, how do you see managing custom
4: relationships given this new reality? Absolutely, and it's a great question. So as a service and product provider, our, our customer is everything to us. And so maintaining proper customer relationships, this is another area where creativity was a necessity with this crisis. So we've been able to conduct meetings, uh, joint uh, jointly oversee projects, handle business reviews, and even execute operations all remotely actually again to a level that we hadn't considered prior. And this has allowed for continued customer alignment without the traditional travel and in-person interactions. Um, We really don't believe too much has been sacrificed by using the various video conferencing options that are available. And so for us with operations in over 120 countries uh, globally, this became a must. Uh, especially with the need to restrict travel. Uh, We still conduct numerous on-site operations at our customer sites and facilities. So a greater degree of remote risk mitigation collaboration with our customers as it pertains to handling the virus has been utilized for those operations. And that includes things like quarantine periods prior to placing personnel at certain installations or sites. So, you know, our customers have the same challenge we do currently with this crisis. So it's been a great opportunity to collaborate and even build on our customer relationships to solve this challenge.
1: Okay, great. Perfect. Now, York, I want to go ahead and, and, and get your perspective on this. So, so when we look at some service supplier companies, what have been the biggest challenges in responding to customers' needs over the past several weeks? And then Have those needs taxed your company?
2: Um, Good question, Lee. Um, I mean, our customers, they, um, as usual, they want reliability and full availability of our products. And this even in the crisis. So this is also certainly the case on the EPC side, where the challenge is to keep our projects running, to meet schedule milestones, make sure that the overall completion is on time and um so this all has to manage from home now you know huge teams and we are working across locations mostly our projects um are led you know out of one office and then several others globally contribute so it's really important to keep it all together and um another challenge is certainly um, that our ongoing construction sites need to continue with no or you know at least little impact. And that is right now not so easy because we um, start seeing um, delayed deliveries to our sites mm-hmm. of some products, and which means our, our people have to mitigate things and have to additionally expedite much, much more than, than before. And um, also a challenge is um, the frequently changing local regulations um, to which our teams have to respond with increased levels of PPE, for example, temperature screening or very strict um, uh, physical distancing. Um, And this is basically the case at operation sites, at our um, fabrication facilities, at the workshops and um, construction sites. Now, a great example is that our workshops are still running on full load because we really have a lot of projects right now and um, what we do is we learn from our China manufacturing facilities because they went through everything already. And um, now they are back at work, but now here it's hitting our facilities a lot. And um, so we take all the learnings we made, you know, in Asia in terms of, you know, temperature screening, how do we bring people back into the workshop? What kind of masks do they, do they need? And, do they need them all the time and and everything so this is what we are basically do we learn from each each other all the time and um, um so i think generally you can't really over communicate or over contact right now so that's that's the most important thing is that we really work very closely with our partners um our um suppliers or customers to ensure very quick decision-making because as usual you know everything is quick and we need to do something um, and also need support the needs of the others so at Air Products we have also installed a website for example for our you know customers they can look at our what we do against the whole thing or internally we have an intranet where people can you know figure out what can they do to optimize working from home. We even give them, you know, teaching lessons, um, how to, um, you know, learn to work more efficiently, or we bring, we give them new tools to work together, you know, in, in, in teams and everything. So there is a lot of things that we try to, um, to help them. So our CEO yesterday Um, actually stated that we as air products are really proud to be considered an essential business by governments around the world because we are serving the food industry, um, health, um, as well as energy. So basically we uh, made a lot of efforts um, certainly to mobilize very quickly and respond to increased medical oxygen installations also. So that has been a big challenge. And um, we have been quickly installed, for example, several new facilities in a very short time to supply temporary hospitals or other places where um, COVID patients are treated. And we are really proud um, uh, to help that.
1: No, we really appreciate it. We know essential, how, how essential it is to get those types of gases to those hospitals to help those people. So yeah, definitely really want to thank Air Products for, for what they do. Uh, I want to get in here and get, and get Steven's opinion. So um, it's kind of a big open-ended question right now, but how is the engineering and construction industry going to change after this crisis, maybe dealing with customers? I mean, you kind of alluded a little bit when it looks to uh, the work site, but just, you know, how is it going to change?
3: Lee, I know what you're doing to me. You're, you're backing me into a corner and the question is going to, it really means, Hey Stevie, in a force majeure world, what is this doing to your productivity in the field? Is that the question? I'm getting this. Um, <laughs> look, let me, let me I'll, I'll dive in there. I, the, the bulk of the customers that we're working for right now uh, are not, no one is turning a blind eye to what we're going through. The demand is horrible. The supply is gut-wrenching. The oil price is fat, Everything's bad. The virus is bad. But the expectation is that if I can give you a clean work face, if I can keep you clean, if the wind's blowing and you're working outside and I can give you the PPE needed, you ought to be able to maintain the same level of productivity. And so that's the goal. That's what we're shooting for. So I think it, the answer is, how does it impact the industry? But I think we need to challenge ourselves to rethink what it is that we do. Sharpen the ax or sharpen the sword for whatever it is, it's going to be on the backside of this thing, pivoting to what the business model is. I think We're going to see some changes. There's no doubt about it. And look, as we're deploying technology, and we got customers who prior to this never thought about having a virtual meeting. Are they ready for a virtual meeting? No. But I don't think there's a choice. And so now you overlay everything we're dealing with with cybersecurity. And it's something that we're just going to have to deal with on a regular basis. We're going to have to stay alert, stay aware. The industry is changing. There's no doubt about it. I think we've seen shifts how we look at our work. My dad has a great example. If I give 10 young millennials iPads and I put them around one guy welding, can that make him weld any faster? No. Technology for technology's sake is not going to make that happen. It just isn't. But we can record it if we can get the information. We're going to build things and do things the way we did. I think what's going to happen around it is an increased level of awareness. Lee, the big question for me is not productivity, but safety as we increase an a, a, a insane level of awareness around what it is that we do, wow, what can that do to safety? You increase that level of awareness around every move, every meticulous action. We just introduced electronic JSAs to make that JSA go process go faster. And now that can be looked back. Think about what that can do. Because of the force into this in the last six weeks, people are now thinking, if I can get electronic JSAs in the field, and I can overlay big data into it, then I ought to let let artificial intelligence tell me that prior to 9 a.m. you're going to have a recordable or a possible recordable at that site. And you ought to get into some real preventative things. I think the industry needs to think of this as a positive. There's going to be bumps and it's going to be ugly getting there. But once we get there, it could be very, very, very interesting. So I think the changes are going to be for the good, Lee.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of that, of course, as we've seen, has been because of necessity, especially a lot more digital. I think I think everyone's become a an expert now at Zoom meetings. (laughs) I learned how to change my background and I'm actually an avatar right now. I don't exist. Uh, So we've talked about safety. We've talked about technology. And of course, we've talked about dealing with customers during this time. I want to shift now to, of course. Oh, look, there you go. Perfect. I want to switch, shift now to employee culture, which is a big deal. So, uh, Kevin, I, w- I want to get your opinion on this. Now, with the temporary working from home culture, is it working for your company? And then how are employees responding? Uh, are they productive? Uh, you know, how is their morale working at home?
4: Yeah, so this is really critical, Lee. And there's a couple of words in that question that, that I really lock in on. And that's productive and morale, both of which are very important in our current state. Now, we've all had employees over the years approach us about wanting to work remote, wanting to work from home, and to a small degree, we've accommodated this. Uh, We've historically had some of our commercial personnel, some of our sales personnel work remote or work from home. But initially, with this, this crisis and our need to take more employees out of the the work sites and offices and work from home. Initially most employees embraced the move to work from home because I think they saw it as an opportunity to mitigate risk and prevent possible exposure to the virus so that was good. Now it took us some time to adjust as we moved to the new remote engagement routine while trying to stay connected. Um, But we eventually became more efficient, more effective with the overall arrangement. Now, we had to work through some nuances with hardware and getting people some equipment so they could work remote and work from home. We've tested out certain platforms to understand uh, uh, which virtual platforms and what video conferencing uh, uh, we most aligned with. But I think as time proceeds, we may see some people start getting a little restless with the situation and start missing that personal interaction in an office setting. So we're actually going to try some creative remote interactions that we've heard about uh, with some time spent on some non-business related activities. So we've heard of things like virtual birthday celebrations, uh, remote happy hours, uh, even costume contests, uh, talent shows, so, hey, you know what? We'll give it a try. Anything, right? Uh, to help keep morale up. So, uh, we're going to go test some of this out and see how it goes.
1: It's funny. I actually have a, a, a Zoom game night with some friends tonight. So, hey, go figure. Uh-huh. It <laughs> It works socially, too. Another uh, idea to add to our list. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, great. So, now, Stephen, I want get, to get your opinion, too. So, is, is working remotely – going to stick at your firm. Now, I know you can't work remotely and weld stuff and work on site, but, but I'd like to get your opinion on it. Is this going to be kind of the norm at your company?
3: Shortest answer to anything you've asked me so far, Lee, yes, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, there will be pieces of it. There will be pieces of uh, what we're thinking. Uh, so obviously, headquartered, and uh, this may not go over big here, but headquartered in Louisiana, Uh, we're looking at having a purple and a gold team and having shifts go in and out back and forth Uh, there will be an aspect of remote we don't know what remote will be but what we found is the remote meetings the video meetings and chats have compressed the the ancillary stuff that happens around the meeting into a very very small succinct time frame and so we like that how some of these meetings work so the answer is yes it'll it'll stick and there'll be pieces of it that won't stick but We will absolutely keep this. We will stay in tune at our ability to establish a Zoom meeting.
1: And it's all right, because you got bragging rights. Uh, Your guy went number one last night in the draft, so it's all right. (laughs) Okay, I want to get uh, uh, Jorg and Kevin's opinion on on this new normal as well. So, Jorg, we'll start with you. What do you see as the new normal with regard to your company? Will it work, interact, and, of course, the most important thing, is it going to drive your business forward?
2: But um, I think it's still kind of early days, but um, we have certainly seen a lot of continued strength and business continuity um, as our teams, you know, implement health protocols at our manufacturing sites or construction sites. And now, you know, the largest part of our 17,000 people worldwide are now shifted, you know, they all shifted to working from home. And um, um, we have just conducted a... Um, employee survey in the UK just a few days ago to figure out what do our employees think and how are they feeling. And we asked them also, what do you think is the productivity compared to before? And um, the result was really good because they said it's almost as good as before. I think the average number percentage was around 95%, which is really good because... In the beginning, I still remember everybody was saying, you know, damn, what's happening and how bad will this be? And can we still, you know, run projects from the homes? And, but we tried and then, and now figured out it's, it's working pretty good actually. And um, as I stated earlier, I think the most important thing is communication, staying very close, you know, connected uh, with everybody. Um, And when I asked our project managers, how is it going? How can you, you know, lead projects? They say it's all about being very close. And one of the guys told me it's even better at home because, you know, all my guys are online all the time. So I find them easier than when I have to walk around in the office and and try to find them somewhere. And um, so, Basically, I think when we come out of the crisis in different parts of the world, we have to somehow coexist, I think, with the COVID uh, mode. And um, it will, for a while, be the new normal. And um, so what we just discussed this morning in the crisis meeting, what are we doing? How do we bring everybody back in the office now here in the headquarters in in Allentown, for example? And um, we think we bring them back in waves kind of like who's most important goes first. We will then see how it works and we'll implement then health protocols. We have, you know, they have to wear masks and do, you know, um, social distancing and everything. And again, we can learn from our Asian colleagues who are partly back at work already and told us this is how we did it and this is how it works and, um, and learn from them and, um, so, but it's very hard to say what's in in six months that's kind of crystal ball I think and um but I think what's clear is it's not going to be the same as before and um we don't really know how it's going to play out everything, but we know that our people will have will not the future will not be as it was before and um, um it's certainly you know probably what we found now. Some people can even completely work at home in the future. So maybe our offices are too large or something <laughs> in the future. And I don't know, we'll, we'll have to figure this out. And it will depend also on the people that we bring back because not everybody, you know, can do this. It also depends on, you know, the family situation, whether the dog is running around. Now, I told my wife, you know, you take the dog and go out because so you have a lot of things that you have to respect, actually. but. Um, it's really important to, you know, use the digital technologies that we discussed before. And, um, you know, we cannot run global EPC projects, everybody knows that, Stephen, especially I'm sure, um, without, you know, doing all these things in the future. Yeah, that's
1: the one problem with with digital technologies is they can always find you. Of course, with this, I also want to get your opinion as well, Kevin, on this, on this question, about the new normal and how your company, of course will interact and how you're going to drive the business forward with this kind of remote, remote working uh, uh, thing we got going on now.
4: Yeah, and so to York's point, you know, in some areas around the world, it's still early uh, in this crisis. But we do believe that the the new normal is being developed as we speak uh, in in different areas around the world in different phases. But we do see a future where more remote interactions will occur uh, just like this forum. This may become one of the new norms. Uh, We believe that we'll conduct more operations, do more business reviews, and participate in more customer engagements uh, utilizing various Video conferencing tools um, from this point forward and with the connectivity that we have now uh, within our locations around the world and with our customers and suppliers and some of this we had to build out In the initial stages, but it's really made it possible to conduct more remote activities. So uh, we're already conducting a various and you heard this from others earlier various asset and equipment monitoring activities, as well as executing certain operations remotely. But we really believe we can expand this even further, uh, especially with some of the technologies mentioned earlier, you know, like the smart helmets and some of the other remote devices that we've used that I think we're gonna use more, like some of our inspection crawlers that are controlled remotely and drones. So I think there's a great opportunity to put a lot of the technology that we were testing, um, you know, to to more expansive use,
2: and, and again
4: through the necessity that that's come about as part of this crisis. Excellent,
1: perfect. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. And and it's funny because that's the that's one of the new normals that we're even experiencing at our company is instead of having a, a a big technical conference in Rotterdam, now it's going to be. Uh, Virtual presentation now, so basically a virtual technical conference called IRBC or Asia now online. So, uh, yeah, we're adjusting to the new normal as well. So, I mean, it, I think the way it's going to be for, for a while now. Um, now, one of the biggest things, and, and it's kind of the, the big main topic of, of what we're discussing today, is out of a crisis comes one major thing. And of course, that's leadership. And that's what people are looking for during times like these. Uh, first, I want to start with, with with you, York on this. Now, as we've largely been under stay-at-home orders for non-essential workers for a little over, I guess, about a month. How has this affected your leadership style and your approach to crisis management?
2: You know, Lee, I normally travel 30 to 50% of my time, and I probably would now sit on a plane to China or India or somewhere. Um, But instead, I sit at home, and my wife is still getting used to it. So under normal circumstances, I certainly visit my teams on a regular basis. I meet clients and construction partners, but that's not possible. So we have to find different ways. And as I said before, I think it's um, it's really important to stay very close and frequent. I'm staying in frequent contact with all my direct reports much more than before. I sometimes you know call them up and see how they do just to figure out. You know, one of them is stuck in a hotel. Um, um, he can't go away. You know, he can't fly out. So not for everybody, it's it's really easy. So I think visible leadership is essential during these times and connecting to, to everybody. Um, then not everybody, I believe everyone has now been forced to build these skills in time. And, you know, this will also in the future have a lasting impact on how we will lead in the future in, in our organizations. And um, another crucial point is, you know, you, we need to increase. That's what I found out. We need to increase the, the frequency of project controls, which means scheduling control, cost control, more frequently and and more, you know, and deeper. So I agreed with all my global teams that we will from now on control the projects on a weekly basis instead of monthly or on very important projects, even, you know, daily. And um, because we have to be close because nothing is on cruise control anymore. Everything is very, very fluid, I would, I would say. Um, so therefore, you know, we are looking at the completion of project milestones and everything very often also in the manufacturing facilities where I expect from my directors Um, you know, and um, there are teams that they also look at permanently the supply situation because that is not so safe anymore, as I said, and find, you know, ways, what can we, how can we work around? And there is always, fortunately, some ways to work around. It's just good people need to think about it and they can then figure out, okay, also, if that piece is not there, we just, you know, change the, the construction sequence or something like that. But eventually it all boils down to, uh, to people management. You know, how committed are they? How much do they engage in, in the very unclear crisis situation? And um, what we have achieved at Air Products, I'm really proud about um, because I think we learned a lot in, in, a, in a very short time to respond to this um, COVID crisis.
1: Excellent. Now, now, Kevin, as a company leader, now that you've gone, we've gone through this for, I guess, a little over a month, what do you think is the most important leadership skills for success uh, in this new normal that we're facing now?
4: Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think anybody was looking for this type of test to involve their, their organizations, uh, evolve their organizations. But with any crisis comes an opportunity for improvement, along with advancement of technology and business practices. So a lot like York, I normally spend a lot of time traveling around the globe. Now what I can tell you is we really like how low our travel expenses are right now, and I think that's going to become part of the new norm moving forward. I've uh, seen a nice reduction in that cost category. But We believe the new leadership skills that have been and will be developed uh, to meet current and future needs as a result of this crisis um, will have to develop, like the ability to support and coach from a distance, uh, utilizing the remote engagements that we've talked about, as we learn how to motivate, energize, and inspire our employees with less in-person interactions. Now, I'm not gonna tell you that I think it's gonna be easy for all of our employees or our customers to fully embrace this, especially initially, but I'm certain this is gonna play a bigger role in the new normal well into the future. So leaders will have to adapt to the new environment, uh, the the new ways of conducting business along with their teams. So I think this has become one of those opportunities that has come out of this crisis. So I think we should embrace it, take advantage of it, and really develop more efficient and effective uh, uh, business models as a result.
1: Perfect, excellent. Now, Stephen, uh, what is one thing that you will do differently post uh, COVID-19, I guess we'll call it?
3: You know, Lee, there's a lot of things uh, to answer that question. The one thing I'm going to do differently is there are things that I took for granted that I will never take for granted again, being one, being the ability to go to work. And I got to see that firsthand. I was out in the field with a, a, a crew working a turnaround in the middle of this. And these, this, this group was so happy to be together. They had gone home for about three weeks and then allowed to come back and do that turnaround in the midst of total chaos, which is the time you would think this is not the time to do a turnaround, but they're able to, they've been allowed to do the turnaround, allowed, allowed the opportunity to work well together. The execution and the safety was par excellence. I mean, it was really great. So I'm not going to take anything for granted again. Lee, I'm not going to ever take for granted that, big chunks of our supply chain or a lot of our PPE was held in big providers down our supply chain. And we manage PPE masks and Tyvek and everything in a just in time scenario. It's the way the business got to. Now I'm not saying that's not the way to do it, but another thing I'm not taking for granted ever again is I promise you, I will have a warehouse filled with N95 masks. I will never, get caught without N95 masks again and, and, and there's other PPE too I think so I think there's a balance between where we went all just in time that you deliver to job sites you deliver to maintenance jobs and turnarounds versus keeping a little supply in the middle we're going to keep a little bit of stash no different than what you learned when you first set up your house or you first got married build an emergency fund of three months or six months whatever your whatever your grandfather told you to do I think that's what we need to do. We need to take a little bit from that. Don't take it for granted. Have a little bit of stock what you need, and depend on the system for the rest of it. So th- that's a long, long answer to a short. Of look, I, I think um, I'm not going to take anything for granted again. But...
1: No, it's great. It's great, great words of advice. Um, well, we got just two or three minutes left here. What I'd like to do. Um, is if each one of you would want to take maybe 30 seconds as uh, some closing statements before we sign off on this panel uh, discussion. So, Jorg, do we want to start with you?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think, I mean, for me, it was um, extremely important to um, hear from the colleagues from, from the industry. And I mean, we have worked together with Turner, for example. I hope we do it in the future again. Um, and um, also from Kevin, what They think, so this was for me um, very important. I take a lot of, you know, things back. And um, generally, I think from what I heard from from them, you know, the problems or the issues they're facing are very, very similar to to ours. And, um, you know, we need to think a little bit more out of the box also. So we cannot just, you know, go ahead and say, okay, this is how we do it because we normally always do it like this, but we have to, I think, figure out new ways of working. And, you know, I like what I heard about the drones and, um, you know, maybe control things more remotely and and everything. So these are, are great things, but when my, you know, the daily life and managing a company or parts of a company or workshops, eventually is always about people. It's nothing else, right? It's all about how can we motivate them? How can we make sure they like their job? You know, how can we make sure they, you know, they have fun at work and, and therefore then bring top performance? But how we do it, we can always excel. And, and, and this is, I think, what it is all about. So thanks very much again for, for having me. And um, I hope next time I'll, uh, I'll come in person to Houston.
1: No, that, that actually, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Kevin, let's go to you, 30, about 30 seconds to a minute.
4: Yeah, so I agree. You know, this, this was a great opportunity to, to share thoughts, ideas, insights, some best practices, and learn from each other. But I'm gonna go back to something uh, that I had stated earlier. We've gotta make sure that we don't miss the opportunities within this crisis. So opportunities to evolve as leaders, opportunities to evolve our business models, advanced technology, improve certain business practices. So again, out of a crisis like this, out of a, a very dire situation, we've gotta make sure we learn, we advance, we improve. And so again, that, that includes the leadership. The leadership skills that have to be developed for this new norm And we really believe, and and started using the phrase of remote for longer, and this may be remote on a permanent basis. And so we just need to be prepared for that and open-minded, willing to learn, and willing to adapt.
3: Excellent, thanks so much, Kevin. Stephen, how about for you? I appreciate it. The director of the EIA mentioned that this will go down, 2020 will go down as the worst year in the history of our industry. And while I think that's true, we can't live like that. It's gonna take a positive attitude. Lee, I'm a regular subscriber to MD Anderson. I'm a four year cancer survivor. The first thing you learn when you get cancer is, it takes a positive mental attitude to get through this. No matter how crappy the world is, looks around you, it takes a positive mental attitude to do it. Yeah, great. It's gonna be the worst year ever for our industry. And you know what, great. George and I may go on a speaking tour 10 years from now. We may get paid millions of dollars to talk about this horrible year. But to get through this son of a gun, let's all stay positive. And with that, I'll give it back to you to sign us off. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you
1: so much. Uh, Now, with that, uh, that's about all the time we have today. Um, I I do want to let people know that we do have a lot of Q&A that has been uh, submitted, of course, We're close to the top of the hour, so we don't have time to get to those. But like I mentioned in the very beginning, we will be posting answers to those questions uh, on the Rice Global ENC Forum's website. Uh, I can't express how much we really wanna thank our panelists today uh, for taking time out to talk about these crucial topics. Um, Also, um, if, if you had colleagues that weren't able to actually watch this webcast, Please let them know that we will be posting a recorded, uh, I guess, on-demand type uh, option for this webcast uh, in the next couple of days. That will be on the Rice Global ENC Forum website as well. Um, again, to close, I do want to announce that the May panel webinar will be presented on Friday, May 8th at noon Central Standard Time. That discussion will be called Leading Through a Crisis, Contractual Implications, and it will be moderated by Karen Fuller, who's the director of uh, HKA. Registration is open, so definitely go to the Rice Global ENC Forum website to sign up for that, and then tune in uh, on May 8th. Again, your, Steve, and Kevin, Uh, we sincerely thank you for your time and insights today. And, of course, we really want to thank our attendees that were able to join us. Uh, And, again, we hope you and your families and colleagues are safe and healthy, and we hope you have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your weekend. Thanks.